Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Uses Better podcast, powered by Hobbs. And happy new year to everybody. Um, this is our first podcast of our season two of the um, Uses Better series. So today I am joined by Gareth Meredith from Ring Central. Um, and we're going to be talking about a topic that I'm going to openly admit I'm not a huge um uh, knowledge base on but um i'm hoping gareth is um and that's one on a qualification and actually how we can use qualification in the strategy for our bid plan so the first thing i'm going to do is say hi to gareth hello hi <laughs> yeah, yeah great wonders of modern technology we can see each other it's like oh what we do it's good um so yeah so gareth firstly um can i ask you to um Introduce yourself and just tell our lovely listeners what it is you do and and how you use the qualification process in what you in your business. Sure. Okay. Um, part of history. So right now I head up the um, the bid team for UK International at Ring Central. Um, so I've been here just over fourteen months, I think, coming up, which seems strange to say. It's gone very quickly. Um, but before that, like my experience goes through a whole bunch of companies. I started and cut my teeth with Vodafone. Um, I've set up teams in Capita, um, United Health or Optum, if anyone's familiar with those in the healthcare space. Um, I've worked in education, uh, construction, <laughs> for buses. Um, I've done big consultation, but basically, I've had a the opportunity over what, 12, 13 years ish um, to see not just how different companies do bids, but how different sectors do bids. And it's, yeah. um, it's stark, like the difference between industries, like some are further behind than others, and, and some are leading the pack when it comes to, to all aspects of bids. Um, to have an exposure to that and learning was, uh, yeah, amazing. I think it's fair to say then you've, you've obviously, you, you've covered a lot of bases, as you said. Um... And I'm presuming, I mean, no, we all know that bids do have transferable skills. Um, you know, you don't necessarily have to be an expert in any one particular field to actually deliver a good bid, because um, that's why we have subject matter experts. Um, so I'm I'm interested because qualification is one of these things where I think it's, a, I mean, in some respects, we look at it as a dark art. Um, and in some respects, I don't always, I don't feel that people always understand exactly what qualification is i mean i'm presuming you know we all say well it's either you bid the bid or you don't do the bid um and you know in i think some companies that's quite black and white no it's either yes we can do it no we can't if we can do it is it in our bandwidth yes let's do it um i think other companies have taken a real scientific approach to having this and making sure that it's correct and would i be right in saying that you can actually spend you can overthink the qualification process as well as underthink it. I think is that fair or am I? Yeah, um, I, I think it depends on how you're trying to put qualification into a business. So you can, I think you can overthink it through systems, and I think you can overthink it through process. Um, but ultimately, what it comes down to is is evidence of the deal. So I'm not uh, I'm not a massive fan of people that use uh, well not of the people but of the process <laughs> of using spreadsheets to track qualifications. So making it very binary and score driven. Yeah. Because um, I don't always think that tells the full picture, and, and it leads to kind of because I've tried it as well. It leads to sort of false positives. Sometimes you bid out 
on the wrong deals that with the right team you could win um with like the strategy mm-hmm. which you now we'll, we'll, we'll move into um but likewise it can drive you to bid for something that technically on a school based level looks great but actually when you get into it you realize it's not quite what you think it is and you either requalify it or you you go for it and you, and you waste the time so um yeah it can definitely be over for i'm a huge fan of simplifying process and taking out um as many stages as possible to make decisions as efficiently as and effectively as possible um so i think it, it it's all driven by what you can find out about the deal what the sales person has actually genuinely found out about that deal and it's a discussion and you have to use a combination of uh, uh, i believe you have to use a combination of your experience the sales person's experience and your knowledge of your own team and process so can you take something that is tremendously hard but with the right team um you can formulate the right strategy the right combination of words the you know the right pitch the right presentation to turn that round um and that becomes very business specific at that point mm-hmm. um people know whether their teams are weak and the process is weak and by by that and I don't, I don't mean to sound scathing but it it's it's that difference between am i using a tool like rpo or lupio to populate that bid and i'm relying on that and i'm tidying up and finishing up and submitting or am i really getting down there and really working on my answer planning and on all that to try and figure out again if it was a difficult deal could i execute it is there enough there for me to pull those levers um but yeah i mean i i'm happy to go um <laughs> and, and and share as much of the process of, of how i do it and how i do it certainly might not work for everyone it's worked really really well for me um uh, and and in my career i've i've got um i've been very lucky actually like touching wood around my office but like very lucky to achieve win rates of like 60 70% plus consistently regardless of industry um and and that's because of the way i i like to think it's it's because of the way that we approach qualification first and then you know obviously there's a load of other gears that we use in terms of answer planning and and stuff to execute but qualification for me is like key you lose and win okay. deals there yeah no and i i completely get that and i think i think everybody's been guilty of of you know producing a bid submitting a bid where they sat there and really gone we probably shouldn't have done that and then you look at it and go <laughs> have i wasted two weeks of my life doing this no and i think that then comes down to the how do you know and i think i know it sounds really quite sort of basic but i mean obviously we talk about relationship we talk about um are we fit for the business is it financially viable for us and there's probably 20 questions and you know i could probably put 10 people in a room and say to them what is your criteria for qualification and probably get 10 answers that are fairly similar and then probably another 15 that are just completely left field so i mean yeah so looking at what you know so what i'm trying to get to is that is there this sort of nirvana or a base product that you sit there and go actually if you are doing qualification probably these are the questions you always should answer now this is your top five yes no's if it's no to any of these forget it does that actually exist or is that again one of these things where everything's up for debate because we all hear these um as you know the great phrase of the jfids um for those who who don't know what that means google it actually don't google it to be fair um but it is you know the these tenders that we're told to bid just because 
seems to be the right idea, if you know what I mean. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, so, uh, <laughs> unpack no, 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 this is good, this is good. Um, so I, I don't necessarily have like a, maybe I should, I don't necessarily have a list of like, I've got 20 questions to ask you and, and let's rate yeah. it based on this. I have some that I do fall back on, um, but they're more like root questions and I, I use that to start to dig. Um, and I'm basically mining the, the salesperson or for us at Ring Central, we have, um, uh, this might be familiar to other people in other companies or an equivalent of, we've got like sales engineers mm. who are like the right and left hand of each other. And I'll dig and I'll mine as much as I possibly can to, to get a shape of the picture because chances are on the vast majority of deals and I fly, well, the vast majority of deals, I'm probably not going to have met that customer, um, depending on the sales team that's coming out of, all sorts of, uh, of different things. Um, so things I like to know, um, obviously, you know, have the account manager actually met the customer? And I mean actually sat and met with them and talked about their challenges, not done a demo, because the demo doesn't mm. interest me, because the feedback off the demos is typically positive anyway. Very few people are rude in a demo situation unless yeah. they immediately don't like it. Um, so I like, yeah, that follow up. And I'm less interested in the, I'm less interested in technical challenges because technical challenges can be somewhat overcome and, and they're a bit more black and white, but I'm much more interested in the A's engagement with the customer on an operational level. So um, what happens if they do nothing? What could our solution do for them that would transform um, I don't know, their ability to generate more revenue. So Ring Central sell contacts into products and we sell um, back office and unified communications products, very much like we're talking on now. But um, I want to know how those products solve very specific problems because that, for me, in a bit, when I'm trying to um, strategize and collate everything, so I'm trying to think how do I pitch it so it's not purely this is better than Y, but rather mm. this is better than Y because we can deliver X, Y, and Z. Um, <laughs> algebra and I'm terrible at maths. Um, so, so that's one of my root questions. Um, I, I often hear that I met them at an expo or I, I had a chat with them over coffee. Doesn't count. In-depth conversations, like like small, um, uh, like casual chats, don't help in qualification. They help later on for leverage, but um, certainly in qualification, they don't help. So I'm looking for engagement. Um, obviously, I'm looking at technical alignment um, in a you know in a SaaS software space. I'm looking at technical alignment or um, to apply it to other businesses. Just your ability to deliver, obviously. Um, so once made that, I want to look for the gap. I'm I'm keen to understand where we're particularly strong against competition, and we dig into that. I'm much more interested in the red flags. What can't we do? Um, and rather than use that as a as a mechanism just to say, no, we're not bidding, I actually want to look at it and go, how do we overcome it? Is there a smart way that we can position our solution or um, tweak it or change it? Not lie about it in any way, shape or form, but think smarter about what we're delivering. And is that red flag genuinely a red flag or can we work around it? Can we strategize around it? So that'll be my second. I'm obviously looking at the commercial um, landscape, although I'm... I'm probably less sensitive to price than maybe other people will be. I'll trust the salespeople and the sales leadership team to know the pricing in the market, uh, unless we're going to be tremendously expensive compared to an equivalent solution. It's not normally a huge factor for me. Um, I'm looking at things like the T's and C's as well. Um, is there something in there that seems like T's and C's look completely innocuous, but they trip you up when you're successful? <laughs> 
Um, so I want to make sure that's out the way. Like anything that could possibly grind that deal to a halt or, or cause friction in the sales pipeline that could, um, and, and I've seen it happen to competitors, uh, not so much not so much in the company, like in the opportunities I've been in, but definitely seen it in the competition where they've been awarded and had it stripped because they've not mm. done that due diligence. So I tend to keep an eye on that. Um, so that would be like a definite red flag unless we can qualify it out. Um, so I'm trying to get a, a broad picture of the opportunity and I will dig into any one of those. So if they've met with a customer, cool. Tell me everything you know about that customer. Um, what is resonating with them? What are they liking? Who have they met? Who are the competition? And I'm digging and digging and digging and digging. Um, and that's probably the consultant side of me that's sort of coming out of, of used to having to go into um, uh, and work with customers who I knew nothing about. I knew nothing mm. about the opportunity. So you had to mine to get that. And I've just kept it in qualification. Um, so it's very much like a discovery session than anything else. And off the back of that, I'll go, okay, we have great relationship. We can do the technology. Okay, this is a small problem around legals, but I'm based on other deals. I know we can work around that through clarifications or whatever, and it looks good. Where it gets messy is where you go, they've only met the customer on a stand. Technically, it looks good. Um, everything else looks good, but we haven't got the relationship. And that's where you have to dig further and further again of how much of this deal is going to be one on relationships. Now, I think any decent salesperson will tell you that most deals are one on relationships. So you have to really calculate. <laughs> That's like, the sales side. <laughs> it is, is like, if I'm going to put two or three weeks into that deal, is that going to, if I throw absolutely everything at it, if I put the, you know, if I had the entire team work on it 24 7, could we win that deal? And if the answer to that is no, I know that it. Um, mm. And, and and that's ultimately what it comes down to is I look at the experience of the team um, and our ability to execute on that on what we've learned the qualification and we build on that in strategy as well then uh, which we might use to qualify back out again if we find that it's been misinterpreted in the qualification it totally happens all the time because people want to pass but unfortunately the more you dig the more it becomes obvious they don't know and um, so we will sometimes requalify it but typically yes it, it, it's an informal chat. Um, but digging into very specific, like specific areas in that bid, and off the back of it, we'll make that call. Um, I've seen elsewhere where it's more sales driven, and it's driven by like a head of sales, or it's driven by the salesperson pushing that deal through qualification. Um, I try and run uh, as much as I possibly can do because everyone's got their objective biases, but I try and keep it as, as objective as I possibly can do and take the emotion out of it. I'm not commission based or anything that would financially incentivize me to go for that bid or, or to not go for it. What I am tackled on is, is like win rate. Um, but you know, that can't be win rate at the expense of just kicking everything out because that would be mm. crazy and that, it would be boring as well. Um, so, um, if it's a sales-driven process, you can't be objective because everyone is thinking about pipeline coverage and commission, so you have to take that out of it. So that's why I tend to run those sessions. I try as much as possible, and I'm unable to um, make that final call. And it will escalate um, if I say no, but as long as the reasoning is sound, that salesperson or the sales director still has to justify why we're ignoring all of the facts laid out in front of us, why we should yeah. go for it. So it makes it a much tougher argument to circumnavigate that process. Um, but it's about being as respectful of the resources that you have 
and the morale of your team and your ability to execute as much of that sales pipeline as you can do. And that means you've got to say no to bad opportunities. Not everything can be won. Even with the best team in the world, you can't win every opportunity. No, and I think that, I think that's, you know, I think everyone will realise that if, if we, we all, we're hitting 100% hit rates, are you that I'm not quite sure how that actually works because somebody has to lose. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and actually, you know, you do learn quite a lot, I think, sometimes from the fact that why did we win that one? Um, so I think, you know, I think you can you can learn as much from winning as you can from losing. Obviously, as we all, you know, the amount of people that never ask for their, um, feedback when they've won a submission, for example, rather than you know, as soon as you lose, first thing you do is go, why the hell did we lose that? Um, Absolutely. You know, when you win, it's actually quite surprising how many people go. Well, why did we win that? What 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 did you like about us? Um, and I suppose the same sort of thing. You know, we're in the qualification, and I think it is something that you know how wide it's actually done. I'd love to know. I mean, I hope people can message us after they've listened to this, because I I'm not entirely sure how broad or how um resolute the the qualification is because even in some of the, the fields that we work it's that you do hear this mm, yeah we don't you know we don't think we're going to win it but we're going to do it for this reason that reason other reason um there's always a, a reason why you want to do something strategically um you know because that you know it's a strategic win for us if we get it or it's a we've got to win this we know we got to bid this so we it we look good to the client for the next time it comes up um and i sort of get that and I suppose in the, in the real world, when you're looking at actually, you know, when you go that qualification process and someone says to you, yeah, I get all this, but what do you do then? Do you, do you stick to your guns? If someone comes and says, look, I get what you're saying. I know we shouldn't be doing this, but actually this is my reason why I think we should be doing this. Will that play a part? Or will you I, sort of say... Yeah, no, I mean, how can it not? Yeah, no, I, I, there, are, there are certain times, there are certain bids, um, and I think you are talking about like your very strategic ones or, or they're more like moonshots, mm. like you've got an outside chance um, and you, you kind of, the, the thinking is that if you can push it to a certain stage, that gives you the, the chance to... Yeah, you're um, making a noise. Yeah, so I, I get it. It can't be every deal. Not every no. deal is oh, a must. God, no. Well, for some businesses, it's a must win. <laughs> but like, it, not every deal can be a must win. Um, but there are certain ones, like whether you're trying to get a strategic partner on board, or whether you're trying to crack a new market, um, like you're trying to get into healthcare because you don't do anything in public sector, mm. or you know, one deal has to be the first one. And unless all the the chips are laid out perfectly, chances are they're going to be tough opportunities. Um, and what you have to do is build the confidence of, of, of the customer. So we definitely do look at that. And that's all part of the qualification of what's the work required to win it. And the work required to win it can't just be submit the bid. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not the work. Um, the, you know, the strategy and the, and the angle. Because what I should explain with the bid process we do here is we're, we're very much cradled to the grave. So we'll do stuff that's pre-bid. Um, so we'll do like pre-bid collateral and start to build the messaging mm. up where we can. And we'll take that all the way through and control um, the design and messaging and the presentation, again, where it makes sense uh, to do that. Um, so, so we're looking at every point of where can the bid team add value and increase the chances of winning, whether it's through design the messaging and, and just that support or making sure that the messaging during the RFP doesn't fall off at, at the end. Um, 
so just for context. Um, so yeah, you would do that. There was an interesting thing that happened. I won't say who, I won't say which company it was because uh, that's mm-hmm. probably not fair. Um, but I do test my own thinking as well. Like you know how how often am I right than I am wrong? Because I can't I can't just assume that this worked really well in one company and therefore my judgment is perfect at the next company. Um, so there was one that, that there was one company I was at where every single time. To, to your point of like pushing it through, we've got to do it regardless. Um, there was one particular sales director that would consistently override me and, and escalate and force us to work that deal. I'm sure every team has had that at some point have said no and it's been escalated above them. So I started yeah. to track it of like, well, how often are they actually successful on each one of these escalations? And I think over 23 escalations, he was right once um, out of those stats, which I then quite gladly gave it back to him. So this is why we do qualification <laughs> like this is why it's important and i i was showing other people as well so i do test myself on it um but i think as long as you i, I don't believe that you should be in it to win it because i think that's just a lottery slogan ultimately at the end of the day but i think there are certain deals that might not be ideal but it's still worth going for. Actually, uh, do you know what a great example of this? If we just go back to public sector really quickly, mm. um, a great example of that is for companies that maybe haven't bid into public sector and therefore they don't understand the scoring mechanisms that work in public sector. You might make a decision to go for a not ideal opportunity just to understand how the scoring comes back. And I know it's different from each customer, but getting that feedback of like, wow, my deployment content, which should be, it's a process. It should be pretty similar from bid to bid to bid. Why is it only scoring three out of 10? Yeah. Why is it only scoring five out of 10? Why did it score nine out of 10? So you're having that feedback um, becomes really valuable to win that deal that you're perfectly primed to win. And now you're primed with the, um, with the intelligence on how to execute on it. Oh, okay, my deployment content's not so great. We need to really work on that for when this next one comes out in two months that we definitely have to get. We've got the engagement um so that stuff is interesting um likewise if you're trying to get into a strategic relationship with another company understanding where you're weak in your process or your approach will help you with the next one so those i'm really keen on um if i can understand the output but if it's just a we have a sales quota to cover i don't think that justifies the the resource yeah um because i can't win it I can't, I can't, I don't have a magic wand to wave. I've, I've got <laughs> skills and people to do it and I can, you know, we can talk about it, but I can't change the inevitable, um, yeah. no matter how hard I might try. <laughs> so, um, yeah, sorry, long answer to a relatively short question. No, it's fine. I mean, it, it, it's, that a weird way. It, it's good to get um, opinions um, from people. I think it's the, um, the good phrase about it. Um, so, obviously, we know, we, We've got this bid. Um, we've qualified it. Decide you're going to do it. Um, so your next thing is actually right. We got to come up with a bid strategy. So, what do you? You know, how do you then use, or why do you use your bid no bid um, decision to drive the strategy? If that makes. Yeah. No, no, it, it does. Um, so it, it's something that's taken a while to figure out, um, and it was stuff that I, I, it's stuff that I've been refining sort of throughout my career of trying to figure out how to 
remove disconnects and stuff because I used to see people do qualification and um, wind theming and then I would like I, I, even when I was interviewing people I would they would talk through their wind themes and you would look at some of the examples of work and it would all be missing mm. um, and I was guilty of doing that certainly like earlier in my career as well um, that it would sit in great detail in a notebook or or a word document or something like that but it would never translate or, or not in the way that it should do um, so I, I look at the process of like how do I make every meeting build upon the next one to get me to the right outcome so all that stuff we talk about in qualification we keep notes on that and we make um uh we bring that through as part of like our kind of intelligence gathering so not just deal intelligence from the AE, but we're looking at gaps as well yeah um so you know whether it's going intelligence can mean a bunch of different things and different opportunities but do we need to go back to the customer and clarify you know gaps that we don't know about their solution like do we not know why they i don't know maybe they need to like a bad example maybe they need to cut their contacts into by 50 percent because they're affected yeah. by everything that's going on in the economy and they need to, a solution to do that or do i assume or do i ask you know so there are gaps like that you might want to cover um then we take that stuff into the strategy session so we go this is what we've learned about the customer during qualification and any um any gaps that we might need to potentially cover if if it's all approved as in like the deal is approved um and then we'll go through and basically we have a a, a template that we use to make sure that we kind of cover all the ground and that's just from having done god knows how many deals at this point essentially if you boil it down it's a swot analysis um, but it's kind of like taking each one of those like SWAT areas and going into a little bit more detail. Um, so building the strategy is very much for me, um, is very much about putting the customer right in the center of everything. So one of the things I used to see a lot was, um, people would talk a lot about the, like the company they work for and how great ring central is fantastic it was founded on this time and it did this and it's got all of these awards and look how amazing our solution is but they a lot of people don't put the customer right at the center of it or which is like the equivalent would be like ring central is able to give you was you know maybe we don't talk about founder dates and stuff but ring central can do this for you to achieve these goals and that's what the strategy is about so we're looking at customer driven outcomes um, in order to like orientate the bid and to write the bid towards and how our answer planning works. So again, pulling from like the pains and the drivers of the customer. So what's, you know, why did they come out to procurement? Why did they not just resign? Why are they going for Ring Central specifically? Why are they going to cloud? Uh, what problems does that solve? What's the, um, doesn't need to be a firm figure, but like what's the return on investment for them? It, I think we mentioned earlier, is it about driving revenue? Is it about retention? Is it about removing business friction? Is it about efficiency? So that we can start to build that strategy out and understand what our win theming is. Um, and start to come out with some top level messaging. But if you just gave them those messages, that would win the bid. Um, and it, that drives everything from headings through to content, through to um, the presentation. So we're looking at customer drivers. We're looking at um, reasons why we would win and reasons why we wouldn't win against each competitor that we think is in that deal, um, either from known or assumed um, uh, intelligence. Um, so we're looking at everything very much in, in the round. We're still, even after the qualification, we're still poking to find out how do we win and how do we lose. 
Yeah. And we reinforce the theming for why we win, and we look to mitigate the reasons of why we might lose. Um, now, some of it could be pricing, some of it could be, um, it could be, it could be all sorts of things. You've, you've just won a customer that is a direct competitor to them, and that might be a reason for them not to pick mm-hmm. you, or um, you've just had, you know, a huge layoff uh, or redundancies, which I think all software companies are going through right now. Um, how does that affect the way that you're viewed by the customer? Do they now think that you're not going to have enough support? Okay, well, that's something I might just want to potentially cover, like to cover my bases and think about. So we're looking at all these different rabbit holes uh, and, and all these, well, not rabbit holes, sorry, pitfalls um, that we might fall down. And we're trying to mitigate that as much as you possibly can do. Um, and that was a skill I really learned when I was working consultancy. Um, because again, like you just had to understand customers, and and by customers I mean the client that you're working for. Yeah, had to understand them into a degree that I think you take for granted when you work in in one company. Um, again, like I've just been applying that all the way through the processes. Good, good. So I, I, I think the you know the, the interesting question for me on this is who because i mean no we we hear a lot about process we, you know when we you talk to apmps or people in the world and they go that yeah we, we have these processes and this is what we do at that stage and the rest of it so when you're doing those qualification meetings and when you're doing those strategy meetings who do you have in the room with you now who do you involve from your team who do you involve from the sales team um, who do you involve from the technical team? Because I think that's the one thing that you know we all sit and go, well, actually, let's let's do a qualification session, and it's well, who needs to be in that room? You know, who needs to be in the, the room when we're doing a strategy session? Um, you know, can we bring people in now that will save us time later? Are we bringing somebody in so they have a voice just so they feel like they're included? And that's about the only reason why they're not going to contribute anything. But, hey, we've got to be nice. We've got to keep them on side. So let's invite them into the room. So how much of it is sort of, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, is that sort of. Yeah. 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 It's it's a, um, man, that's a tough question. Because <laughs> it's so different for every company that you work in. Um, yes. okay. And it's I mean, one that no. I find, like, I never... Um, I feel like I never quite get the perfect balance mm. of like everyone is contributing, everyone has a voice. That there are definitely times where you have people in the meeting because they have to be in the meeting, but maybe they don't contribute. Um, and, and actually, over time, we try and manage those people out of those meetings, or we do coaching with them to understand why they're not contributing. Is it because they don't feel confident talking about a salesperson's deal? Some people do think that. Um, so we do some coaching there just to make sure that everyone's kind of driving value, but there are definitely people that are just there to be seen, um, and you have to remove them over time. So as a core, I think, um, and I can only really talk about how I do it in the industry I'm in, but I think hopefully people will be able to find like the equivalent to where they're working. So obviously you have to have the salesperson there, um, because ultimately as far as I'm concerned, they're accountable for that deal. Um, and they, if they want the resource out of the team, or actually, no, to put it a different way, if they want the company to invest in their deal, to win that deal, they should be able to justify why that investment is warranted. Yeah. Um, because that investment could go towards winning a different deal. Because you've only got so much amount of resources, and we run a relatively small team in Ring Central at the moment. So if I, if I resource one deal, it means I've got to say no to something else. So this deal better be really good. Because if I have to <laughs> say no to this one, like, I better yeah. win this one. 
Um, so, um, so I think the AE should be there. Um, I think the uh, a sales engineer or the equivalent, um, someone they're working alongside with to build the solution that would have yeah. met the customer should be there. So from those two, and those those are really my key in terms of debrief, because um, one should understand the customer and the other one should understand the um, solution and pitfalls and all, you know, again, for Ring Central would be like the technical architecture. Mm, yeah. um, so I, those two are key. I won't run a meeting without both of those on. Um, if either one of those is missing, we don't do it. Um, unless um, someone has just as much intelligence as those two people do on the deal. It's not, it, typically that's not the case. So those two always have to be there. Um, I would normally have, and again, this is really dependent on the organization. I like the sales director to be there, so the AE's manager. Um, again, depending on how the, the orgs are structured, um, because I think they should hear what the AE is pitching. Um, so if a deal is good, they should absolutely hear that. Um, if a deal is bad, they should also absolutely see that <laughs> and understand why we're qualifying yeah. it, because that meeting doesn't have to happen if the deal is bad. Um, but also it helps if there's an escalation. I would rather have that conversation in that call than I would yeah. do stretch the qualification over a period of half a week or a week. Um, so they're important. Um, and then I would look at any other department that is typically key to the submission or is key to its delivery and could be potentially tripped up if we bid for the wrong stuff. So um, I, like, for Ring Central, that would be someone from deployment or professional services, again, depending on, on the name of conventions. I think someone from support is sometimes key because you want to make sure that KPIs, SLAs are, mm -hmm. are fine. Um, and it's not a bad idea to have. Uh, I won't have them on everything, but depending on the complexity of the deal, um, sometimes have someone from legal there if we know that legal is going to be a problem or is going to be a point of contention um, mm. to have them there and having them review the documents. So that's what six people. Um, I also, out of my team, I like to have other people out of the big team in that, even if they're not going to manage the deal, because I, I think when it comes to qualification, and, and actually all manner of bits, I think having as much exposure um, to those difficult conversations is, is tremendous for people's learning, um, even if they're not running that deal. I don't have the whole yeah. team on there. It's very much like a, a subset. But yeah, I think that's vital. Um, but other companies are completely different. Other companies want like we have to have the whole board there um, if you're working in a small company. And there's no right or wrong. I think ultimately it comes down to having clear guidelines in terms of what that qualification is meant to be and a very clear line in terms of who's running it and who's making the final decision. Now, final decision is, is based on the group, but um, I, I find that if you have too many people on there, it very, very quickly gets derailed um, and it goes off into weird tangents or it gets taken over and it's difficult then to use that allotted time. Yeah. To, to get what you need from it. Um, so I like reducing friction. I like small groups. Um, and I like concentrated groups of people that I know are going to be affected. Anyone else that I think could be uh, are important, but maybe not important to the qualification, I don't bring them into that session. I'll, I'll chat with people either ahead of it or afterwards as we're running through the bid, because very rarely do those people derail the deal. Um, so yeah, it, it tends to be sort of the sales orbiting mm. and then delivery, um, uh, the key ones.
Um, I mean, I used to run sessions at Capita, which would be, you know, a massive office table filled with department heads of, of like just every, every department, even if they've never even written a word for a bit. Um, and it just adds no value. Um, so yeah, I, I think smaller groups that contribute are, uh, are key. Um, if there are people that are just sat on the session and it's just for visibility, but you have to make, you have to build your qualification around their availability, I would start, I would just remove them at that point. If it, anything that slows it down and slows down the speed to qualify is, um, is hurting the bid because you, yeah, you don't have time to work on it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, when you when you when you're talking through a process and you're going from, you know, the bid being launched as a, this is coming on the market. I mean, you know, we you know, we, we all sort of say, you know, you know, if you pick up an ITT or a PGG that or an RFP, whatever terminology you want to use, and the first thing you know about it is somebody putting desk going, I think we should do this. Then, yeah, no, depending on the industry that you're in, you're not always going to bid it, let alone win it. Um, and you know, this way, your sort of your whole capture phase comes into play. You now, making sure your positioning's correct. You know, making sure you know that's come out to tender. You know it's actually an opportunity. You know, you've already done all that sort of pre-qualification qualification, effectively. If you know what I mean. Um, I'm completely lost where I was going with this. Never mind. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, I think what I'm trying to say is the fact that you know it's there's this whole series of processes that all sort of marry up and when you try and you know because you're you're impacting numerous departments and you try and do this by committee i think that's the the big thing and it is trying to cut down actually who do you need to go from start to finish and run it as a a really lean team all the way from capture right the way through the process because as soon as you know we all know as soon as you start getting you know five ten fifteen people involved in anything you can't get a decision made because everybody's got an opinion everybody's got a, a view on how they want to pursue something or how they want to write something or they want to do something and i think you know e even when we talk about qualification and when we talk about actually you know is this right for the business you know, having that small team, and I've learned that through the years, it's actually, if you send something out to 10 people, you're almost diluting the the messaging. You know, you're diluting the, the impact that email is going to have or that, you know, or that meeting is going to have because you've got a big audience. Whereas if it's just sort of three or four people, you can probably get stuff done a lot quicker, a lot more efficient and get to where you want to be quicker. Because, you know, the, the time spans we're dealing with aren't vast um no they can, you know we, we know bids that are anywhere from two weeks to you know six months um mm. depending on how complex they are so if you're in, in a, you know if you got to qualify something that's worth i don't know five million pounds in a space of a week to get out in three weeks time that ain't a lot of time <laughs> to actually you know to get us all done no um one of the things that's worked Again, every company's ever slightly different, so you, you kind of have to take a look at it in in the round of like, is this right for my organisation? Um, but the hardest thing, if you do it ad hoc, if you just wait for the deal to land and do qualification, the hardest thing is getting, even if it's just four or six people, if those are senior mm. people in the company that you need to get the right decisions out of, um, or the right level of engagement out of, you might not get that meeting booked for three, four, five days, depending on what's going on in a given yeah. week. Um, 
So what we like to do, I'm sure loads of people do this, this isn't unique, but certainly for us, we have two set, to, uh, two set appointments for qualification and we just cancel them out if there's nothing to go in. Mm-hmm. Um, but we run one on a, uh, on a Tuesday, on a Tuesday morning just before lunch, I think it is. And then, I don't know why I don't know. <laughs> um, and the other one is on a Friday afternoon. Um, and that's deliberate just because of when bids are likely to come out. And I know that if a bid lands on Friday, they've still got the Friday or the Monday to go through and review it in detail, um, ready for Tuesday. Or, you know, if they can't make Tuesday, there's only a couple of days until the next one. We'll mm. still do stuff that's ad hoc if, if it, you know, the timeframes mean you just couldn't possibly wait. Um, but I, I like to make sure that everything is properly reviewed before it hits qualification. I don't like people rushing in. so. Typically, what I wouldn't have is some. If a bid dropped on a Monday afternoon, I wouldn't have them rushing on a Tuesday because how yeah. could you have taken? I mean, I've got time to review well, it. In, yeah, a- absolutely. Yeah. So I tend to hold them down. Uh, sorry, hold them off from going. <laughs> hold them down. Sometimes I say no, <laughs> um, but normally I hold them off on um, from like trying to get in just you know within twenty four hours. Uh, I'd rather they take a couple of days and, and get it on on the Friday. Have it be properly qualified. And then we just say yes, no escalations. Um, you know, they've got a chance if there's a problem that they've identified to get it fixed before mm. qualification. Because um, there are always like small bits in there that would derail a bit if you don't qualify, if you don't clarif- um, put the right clarification questions in. Um, so I think having that helps as well because you can have that core group of people guaranteed at this time of day, twice a week. Um, that that really helps. Um, but you're right, like the more people you add in, it, it just turns into, it, it does turn into chaos. It becomes very hard to control that session. And it, for me, it means that if there's something that I need to get in depth on, if there's too many people on there, I, I find it much harder to get into the weeds on a certain subject mm. because people are trying to draw you towards their department, which actually probably doesn't even affect the bid. So having those smaller groups are helpful. Um, Really, as a bare minimum, I think you need the AE, the SE, and I think you need the sales director. Um, if you wanted to do it in its lean as possible configuration, that would be the way to do it. But you'd then probably, unless everything was fine, you'd still need to go to support or or like your, um, what I call like the softer departments. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, the ones that are more customer facing, like deployment and support. Um, you'd still need to go to them to validate the information anyway, so you may as well keep them involved. And actually, I find that they like to be involved anyway. Um, but yeah, they're definitely... Like, it's the same approach I take to like, the bid process in general. We run a super lean process that's built on speed. Um, mm. Well, speed and accuracy, really, gives us more time to focus on, on things like, you know... Because I'm sure some people will be thinking, well, by the time I've done qualification, I've got no choice but to get on with a bid. I don't have time to do strategy. I don't have time to do an, an intelligence session. Yeah. Um, so, so we build it on on speed to give those um, those meetings the chance to breathe, um, and then we run like a really efficient answer planning um, process so that we draft basically first time on most deals. Um, maybe a second draft is. is is needed, but minor tweaks. I'd almost say it's more of an edit than a second draft. Um, because I, for me, I feel like the deals, and, and I know I keep saying it again, I can only go off kind of based on, on my experiences and the win rates and stuff that I've seen. Um, is that if you 
do the pre-work, you get better bids and you have a better strategy. And and ultimately this game, because it is a game, like bidding is a game. Um, and, and some people say that it, it's described as like an exam process, like, okay, I'll basically take exams for a living. Um, but once you start looking at it like it's a game and actually you're not really a bid person, you're an extension of marketing or, or advertising, because um, that's ultimately what they're getting. They're getting 40, 50, 100 pages, 200 pages of advertising and marketing, um, you know, why they should pick you. So I think if you get that pre-work right and you get your messaging right, you outwork everyone else and you'll get the scores and scores come naturally. Like we, we score consistently high on, on everything that we work on, um, which, uh, which I'm pleased because it, it keeps morale of the team up as well. <laughs> when we score really well. yeah. um, and actually that's something to circle back on is the morale is, is one of the reasons why we do things the way we do it. Um, but ultimately if you get that stuff done at the, at the beginning and then you execute on it in your answer planning, and you have a process that gives you as much time to do that as possible. So I remove things like red hat meetings, red reviews, all that, you know, um, all of the additional review stages, I remove that um, purposely to give us more time to write and to strategize. Um, and I just trust my team uh, and yeah. I trust myself to get it right. Um, but like I said, it, it allows you just to outpace the competition because everyone else is surviving the bid and trying to answer it. And we're trying to figure out how to do the messaging and win the customer and win like hearts and minds. And that's a bit cliche because we bring all that stuff into the presentation. Um, and, and as much as I hate to admit it, you know, bid teams get better all, of, all the time um, and it gets harder and harder and harder. And just see the public sector analogy because it's all metrics driven people score really close to each other and oh, yeah. it does get one in the presentation ultimately once they see it so to be able to take have all that messaging and then carry it through we know from the feedback that people respond to it um so all that work is worth it uh, especially if you can extend your process to, to to bring that messaging back into the presentation um so yeah it's it's I, if i had anything for people on this, it would be like, whatever it is that you find is super stressful in the bid process, find a way to take it out and give it back to yourself in qualification and strategy building. Um, and that means difficult conversations like with senior management to start to scale it down. Yeah, I think it's, it's a real interesting topic. And I think it's one that's probably not covered enough in mm. the, the bid world as a, as a whole. So um, yeah, it's been really good. Um, chatting i'm just conscious that the time is dragging on i keep getting yelled at by my market for overrunning but never mind um <laughs> i just saw the time now actually <laughs> i know yeah it's great um so yeah it's been great time to gareth um Thank obviously you. i've no doubt you. yeah it's welcome I, I love um we've got a really exciting period coming up in sort of january february march um with some absolutely amazing speakers so uh you're you know you're one of a of a select band that we're putting together so um yeah it'd be quite cool to be fair we got we got we got some really really good topics as you know that we've got and we're trying to pick topics that aren't always talked about i think is a, a good phrase so um yeah we're starting off with this one is been really useful so again my my thanks to you sir um and then yeah so i'll wrap it up there so on the you know, thanks to everybody for always, there's always tuning in and listening to us. And then um, please, you know, spread the word, share and share the um, the podcast as you see for it. And then um, 
I'll see you on the next one. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye.